So before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to put a little disclaimer right here that I am going to be talking about anxiety. I also talk about body image and things like that. So if you are triggered by things of that nature, then you may not want to listen to this week's episode. There are so many other episodes that you guys will love, but I just wanted to kind of insert this disclaimer here so I don't take anyone by surprise. So without further ado, let's just get into the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to Fake It Till You Make It. I'm your host, Cicely Boone. So on today's episode, I'm getting deep. You know, my struggle with anxiety is something that I've shared briefly, but haven't really fully opened up about to most people, and especially not really on my social media, because I think for a long time, I was too proud to share that I struggled with anxiety, and I spent a lot of my younger years trying to be this picture-perfect version of myself, and honestly, I think it did more harm than good to my own mental health. But I've suddenly had to try and retrain my brain to be kinder to myself. You know, I'm not perfect and each day it really does require work. But I truly believe that talking through things, whether it's with yourself, kind of like I'm doing on this episode, a friend or a family member, it can be really beneficial and feel like a weight has been lifted off of your shoulders. And I just want to clarify that I am in no way saying that any of those things is a replacement for therapy. You know, I think therapy is a great thing. Everyone should be in therapy, honestly, or, you know, may need it at some point in their life. I think it's so good to have an unbiased opinion and guidance from a professional. But I think really opening up to people in your life that you trust is kind of the first step to recognizing what you're going through, you know, whatever it may be, and coming up with a plan to move forward and become a better version of yourself and a stronger version of yourself. And most of the time, the next step with that is probably therapy. So I know a ton of you listening probably struggle with anxiety. Millennials and Gen Z are literally the most stressed out generation ever. The American Psychological Association's annual and wow, I can't talk. Let me restart. So the American Psychological Association's annual report found that 91% of Gen Z, which are people out of high school and college age, I'm Gen Z, I believe it starts at 1997 and that's when I was born. But anyways, they said that they have felt physical or emotional symptoms such as depression or anxiety, and it's usually associated with stress. So I know that stress isn't the only trigger for anxiety, and it can come down to a lot of different factors, but the facts are all there. We're living in a time where we are all incredibly stressed out and ridden with anxiety. And I bet right now you could pause this (laughs) and think about at least three things that are stressing you out today. You know, just to be transparent right now, you know, I'm stressed about finding a full-time job that I'm done with college. I'm stressed about the part-time job I do have because, you know, I do care about what I do when I work. I'm, I always put a hundred percent into everything that I do. So that causes a lot of stress. And I'm also stressed because I don't know where I'm going to be or like live in the next six months. And I don't have an answer for my friends or family who ask, which I feel like just all makes it kind of (laughs) worse. But for a lot of people, the list goes on and on. You know, I know mine does. And I just want to clarify before I dive into my history with anxiety that I am in no way seeking pity or your remorse. I just want to share my experience so that if you are listening to this today and you are going through something similar, that you know that you're not alone and that you can keep going. You know, things do get better. 
I also wanted to say that I am not a mental health professional or am claiming to be. I'm not saying that the way I deal or cope with my anxiety is right for everyone or is how you should be reacting to it, but this is my experience and I really hope it helps if you're listening. So I think that the root of my anxiety really started when I was in middle school. I feel like this happens to a lot of people in middle school. You know, it was with my own body image and especially girls. I feel like we all go through this or some kind of version of this. But for example, like it started kind of, you know, I was giving a presentation in one of my classes and this kid made a comment about how I was like thick and I feel like it was all over from there. I think it was like 2008 or 2009 and... I was so worried (laughs) about not being a size zero because, you know, being thick or like curvy was not a thing then. Like people, that was not in style. I guess that was not like what everyone's praising. And nowadays it is. More bodies are being praised today and I think that's awesome. But, you know, that wasn't the case in 2008, 2009. I was so worried about not being a size zero and I thought I was fat because I wore a size four and you know when in reality i was five foot four and a size four like i weighed like 120 pounds which is so small (laughs) and also i was like 13 i was a kid those girls who were zeros and double zeros were four to five inches shorter than me which makes total sense but i would restrict my own eating and only allow myself like four things in my lunchbox i didn't have a full-blown like eating disorder where i lost a bunch of weight or like i never made myself throw up or anything but usually I just ate like a small salad, a water, granola bar, and some fruit. And then I would be so starving when I came home from school because I was in athletics. And I feel like when you're younger, you burn a lot more calories a lot quicker. And I would just eat and eat and eat at dinner. And then I felt so bad about it afterwards. So I would obsessively work out and I would work out to be skinny and not to be healthy. And I would stare at myself in the mirror and be so upset that I wasn't smaller. And I thought about it every second of every day. And you know, this really is an example that sometimes what others say really does affect you or that what you say can really affect others if you want to flip it around. You know, you may not want to admit it, but it does. And even to this day, it's something that is in the back of my mind on occasion. You know, I wish it wasn't, but it is. And I've come a long way since then with loving myself and letting that anxiety not control my life or my relationship with food or the way that I speak about myself. But Sometimes I still think about things like that. You know, you really have no idea what others are going through physically or mentally. And I think a prime example of this right now is with the tragic and sudden passing of Chadwick Boseman this year. You know, you need to be treating people with kindness and respect no matter what they've done, who they are, or how they're treating you or how they have had treated you because you never know what they're going through and one little thing that you say or that someone else says to you can really affect you and your mental health and the way you look at yourself or the world or you know things like that for the rest of your life and you may not even know how impactful you have been in someone else's life in a negative way but it happens and it's a source of a lot of people's anxiety. And I think that treating people with kindness and respect, no matter what they are or what they've done, who they are or how they're treating you, first of all, it makes you a really strong person. And I think it helps make you a better person and it helps give you compassion for others. And you're also not adding to anyone's pain. Like I said before, you know, we all go through it and whether we see it externally or not on whether it's yourself or some other person, everyone is going through something and it's important to watch what you say and also try i know it's so hard it's hard for me to not take what other people say when they're trying to bring you down too 
hard or like too hard to heart. And that's definitely easier said than done. And it takes practice and it takes work and it takes a lot of self-love, but it's something that is important to work on as you grow up and as you get older. So a few things that I did and still do that help me with my anxiety about my body image are not weighing myself at home. I never do this. I don't own a scale um, unless I'm at the doctor's office and I or I need to. I really don't weigh myself and I just kind of go off of, you know, how do I feel? How do I fit in my clothing? And that's worked for me and I haven't gained a bunch of weight. I haven't lost a bunch of weight, but I have been healthy and I have not been like riddled with anxiety about the number on the scale. And I think that's important for a lot of people. I also have been making sure that I buy clothes that fit me well, no matter the number, because in reality, clothes that actually fit you and aren't too small or too big will make you look your best. Something that I did for a long time, and I didn't even realize I was doing it until one of my friends pointed it out, is every single time I would go to work when I used to work at a boutique, we would have to pick out clothing to wear for the day from the store. And I would go and I would always grab like the large or grab like a medium and or an extra large or something like I would always grab a size that was too big for me because that's like in my head what I thought I needed. And also when I look in the mirror, that's what I thought I needed. And, you know, that has to do with like body dysmorphia and all different types of stuff. And I didn't ever realize that I was wearing things that were way too big for my body and they just did not fit me right. And it wasn't until one of my friends at work pointed it out and she was like, just just try on the small or just try on the medium. And if it doesn't fit, whatever, but I really think it will. And I was like, what, 21, 22 when I realized that I had been doing this for years, just like putting myself in clothes that were too big for myself and bringing myself down subconsciously by like doing this and just picking out clothes that just weren't going to fit me. And, you know, I think a lot of people do that. But when you buy clothes that actually fit you or you wear clothes that actually fit you, you will look your best. And that's something that I had to kind of like retrain my brain to not always reach for like the super or a way bigger size than I needed because of, you know, my anxiety about it. So another thing that I do is I follow other creators or other girls on social media who have all different body types and are really are like happy with the way they look and confident and who take proper care of their bodies and celebrate all bodies no matter the size. One of my favorite people to follow for content like this is Rayanne Langus. I will put her handle down below for her Instagram, but she's a fashion blogger and she's a curve model and she has amazing style and she's so gorgeous and she's so like, I don't know, just positive and always lifting people up. And I just love following her. Her content always makes me feel so good. And then I also love Christina Zias. I don't know if you guys know who she is, but I will also have her linked in the show notes. She is amazing. She's kind of like a self-proclaimed style expert. She's a model. I also love her reels and the videos on her feed. She does this series where she'll bring on another creator of a different size or body type than her, and they will both have on the same outfits, and they literally look incredible. Like, every single time, I love the way both of them look in the same exact outfit, and I think that's so incredible for girls and women to see. It's great for me to see, you know, your size does not limit you to what you can wear, and that everybody is beautiful, and... I think that's so important and it's something that like we do all the time when we walk into a store and I'll see an outfit and I'm like, oh, that is so cute, but I don't think I'd look good in that. You don't know you would look good in that until you try it on. 
So I love her videos and her content. She's super awesome too. Rayanne and Christina are also friends and they do have a podcast, which they just started and it's so awesome. They talk about positivity, confidence, and all sorts of stuff like that. So I will also link that down below because I have been really, really enjoying that. It's great content for you to consume. It's great to fill up your feeds and, you know, your podcast subscriptions and everything that you follow on different social medias with positive, uplifting things that will make you feel good, feel better about yourself, and also help with your own self-growth. And that podcast definitely does that. So kind of circling back, you know, body image is kind of where I had my first taste of real anxiety that made me act in ways that weren't healthy. It gave me a negative relationship with food for a really long time and it actually kept me up at night. And I think a lot of people that happens to with anxiety is you also have insomnia because you cannot stop your brain from just spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. And you know, I'm not saying that I never get those thoughts or feelings now, you know, because I'd be lying if I said that. It still happens to me. I still have anxiety about my body image sometimes. But the thing that is different is that I actively make decisions every day, whether it's in the content I consume, like I mentioned before, or how I talk and treat myself to not trigger that anxiety. I think being able to identify your triggers is really important. It's what's going to help you become more self-aware and learn how to cope with and understand what you're feeling, whatever it may be. And identifying what triggers, you know, an emotional response in you can help you make decisions and not be constantly wrapped up in negative thoughts and emotions that can lead you to spiral. I think to really be able to figure out what is provoking an emotional trigger you have, you know, you have to really be able to think about why you're feeling the way you're feeling. You know, ask yourself these questions. Is it because of a bad experience at work or with a friend or a family member or even in a social setting you had been in before? Or is it because of something mean or hurtful someone said to you that has just stuck with you? But understanding why you feel your anxiety about a certain topic or situation will you do you so much good. You know, it gives you that control back. And I know when I get bad anxiety or I have had a panic attack, it's because I don't feel in control of myself or my emotions. But trying my best to understand my triggers has helped give me my power back and has really helped me deal with my anxiety. And, you know, now as an adult, I, I struggle with anxiety still all the time. And I really do think that comes with the territory of growing older. It's kind of sad, but it's so true. You know, as you get older, you're going to have bills. You may have student loans, pets. You have other people and things relying on you. And also you're relying on other people. And that can be extremely stressful. I definitely deal with that. But now mainly what my anxiety is about as an adult is kind of driving and my health. And if you're new here or just started following me on social media this year, you may not know that last year I ended up in the emergency room. I had been driving my boyfriend and I home from dinner with his family on his dad's birthday and I had a severe panic attack while driving on the highway. And now when I get anxiety, I get panic attacks very easily. And this was just something that like all of a sudden came up while I was driving. Like I all of a sudden had raging anxiety. And I'm also someone who gets really worked up and starts hyperventilating a little bit because of my anxiety, which causes me to pass out or have blurry vision or not be able to see correctly. And this all happened while I was driving last year. 
I was having this major anxiety because I was driving at night and I had someone in the passenger seat with me. And I know that doesn't really sound like something you should have a lot of anxiety about, but I have been in multiple car accidents before, none of which I was driving. I was always the passenger, which is why I think it gives me anxiety because I don't want anyone else in my passenger seat to feel that way. And the first time I was in high school and I was with one of my friends and we were coming home from cheer practice and she pulled out in front of someone and they hit the passenger side of the car that I was in and it was completely totaled. It was really scary. I had bruises like all over from um, my seatbelt and things like that. And that was like the first instance. And then the second car accident that was pretty bad that I think really has made an impact on why I feel anxiety when I'm driving or when I have other people in the car with me is because when I was living in LA, I was riding in the car with my ex and we were in the far left lane on the 405 freeway. And if you are unfamiliar with like LA highways, they are massive. Like it's a huge highway. It has like six lanes and we were in the fast lane. So the farthest from like the on-ramps and it was about midnight, but even at midnight, there's always traffic in LA. There's always so many people driving to and from the city and we were going back into the city. But as we were driving, like we were in the fast lanes, we were going like what 80 and his back tire popped and the car spun backwards, like facing traffic across all five lanes and into the shoulder right next to the on-ramp. And the on-ramp had at least a 20 foot drop. Thankfully, we were not hurt and no one hit us, but something that traumatizing stays with you. Like I was literally on the highway in the car facing traffic, like flying at me. And it maybe was all of like, what, 10 seconds, but it felt like forever. And the only thing you can think of in that moment is like, what's happening? Like, oh my gosh, there's a car like you. And that could have been it. So, you know, it could have been really bad. Like I could have been in the hospital. We could have totaled the car. You know, I could not be here talking on this podcast today. So something that traumatizing, even though nothing bad did end up happening, that does stay with you. But thankfully, last year when I did have the panic attack, I was able to kind of control it a little bit and not pass out while driving. But my panic attack was so bad that I thought I was having a stroke. So the entire left side of my face and neck felt like they were being pulled down and I started to go numb and I felt like I couldn't breathe. But thankfully, I was not having a stroke. And at the ER, they said I was having just like a major panic attack. They literally gave me promethazine to calm me down enough and like send me home so I could sleep. And I spent that entire next week out of work and at home with my parents. I had a severe migraine too chest pains. I felt like I was having difficulty breathing even though my airways were fine because of how bad my anxiety had gotten and kind of how my experiences with car accidents have affected my anxiety. And it was really affecting my body and mind with how much anxiety I had. After that happened, I could barely drive a mile down the road to work and I had to constantly talk myself down when I was driving. I I was a mess, honestly. I was so riddled with anxiety that I had chronic migraines. I was having migraines probably two to three weeks straight out of a month for a few months, and this lasted until about mid-January of 2020. So it is still pretty new, in my opinion. Um, They are less frequent, and now I only get one every once in a while. But even a year later after this incident, it's actually almost exactly a year. I still do get anxiety about driving sometimes, especially at night and especially with other people in the car. You know, it is a lot less severe now, but it's something I'm still trying to work through every time I step into my car. 
So a few things that I did and I still do that help me with my anxiety about driving are, well, the first things is I got a new car that is extremely safe and it helped me feel so much better. And I know this is not the case for everyone. Like you can't just go out and get a new car. And I thankfully was in a position where I was able to get a new car and it was honestly time. Like my old car started breaking down a bunch of times, like right after this incident happened. So that also fed my anxiety. And I literally got stuck in the middle of an intersection once because it stalled out. So it was just time for a new one. And thankfully I was in a position to get a new one and I love my car now and I feel a lot safer in it. Um, It's also just nice that I was able to kind of remove myself from the space where that incident happened. I think that helped me a lot with feeling better. So another thing that I do is I love CBD. So I have used CBD oil. I've used CBD gummies. I've used like the actual flower. Um, Kadara Life Sour Gummy Worms are my favorite CBD gummies ever. They are amazing. I will link the Katara website down below and I love their lemon oil also I have like the 100 milligram one and it is so good I've shared Kadara on my YouTube channel and also my Instagram but they are a women-owned company they're made in Texas they are great quality so I will link it down below not sponsored I just really love that brand um, and then I also would actually get pre-rolled CBD joints from like a smoke shop and those worked the best for my pain I felt so relaxed and calm when I was having my migraines that really really helped a lot so that's also just a little tip I don't know maybe try it if you are open to CBD CBD is so awesome it doesn't make you feel high it doesn't make you feel not in control it doesn't make you feel like stoned or anything like that it just makes you feel really calm and it also did really help with my migraines which was kind of mind-blowing so it's like a little miracle plant I absolutely love it and then lastly the thing that helped me kind of cope with driving anxiety or that is helping me cope with driving anxiety is podcasts I don't know what it is about podcasts but they really help me relax and I feel so calm when I listen to them in the car maybe it's because I don't feel like I'm alone but and there's something I can focus on that's not my anxiety but I love listening to Don't Blame Me with Megan Ranks and Melissa DeMonts. I have mentioned this so many times before, but I love that podcast. That one I look forward to every single week. I also love listening to The Armchair Expert with Dak Shepard, The Mile Higher podcast, What We Said is a great podcast, and I also love I Don't Get It. That's a great podcast. That has Ashley Iconetti from The Bachelor franchise. She's hilarious. It's with her sister and one of her friends, and it's so good. But I love listening to podcasts in the car. It really helps me, yeah, just focus on the podcast and not so much on my anxiety. And then lastly, it's just taking it one day at a time, you know, not pushing it. I didn't drive at night for a while after that happened, and I still don't do it often. It's not my favorite either because I just do have kind of bad vision. So my astigmatism gets really, really bad at night with all the lights. So I just kind of avoid it when I can. But I'm definitely a lot more comfortable now driving at night than I was then. And I also started with shorter distances first and kind of worked my way back up. And now I can drive a lot longer. Like when we were on our trip to Colorado, I drove for a few hours and I felt pretty good. Um, On the way back, I didn't drive that much. But shout out to my boyfriend for helping me out with that because I was just having neck and back pain. I think just from being in the car for so long and also from sleeping on a crappy bed at the Airbnb. But yeah, I started with shorter distances and kind of worked my way back up. 
So while we're on the subject of like things that help anxiety and stress, I kind of wanted to share some general things that help with my anxiety and stress all around like day to day. It's not always as extreme as the experiences that I've had before, but you know, there's just little things every day I get anxiety about. And I think that happens, especially when you have anxiety. So something that really helps me, like I mentioned before, is CBD. Love it. I'll have my faves linked in the show notes below. I also do like meditation. Sometimes when I just need to get out of my head and relax, meditation is a great thing. I love listening to them at night right before I go to bed or listening to like binaural beats. I think it's really, really calming. Um, I use the app Insight Timer. It's a great app and it's free and there's like sleep stories and binaural beats or like nature sounds or guided meditations. There's regular just like meditations. You can do whatever you want basically with the app. It's so awesome, especially if you are a beginner with meditation and you're just starting to get into it. I definitely recommend that app. Another thing that really helps me, I think, is just focusing on things that I can control when I do feel out of control. So whether that's, you know, me being able to control the space that I'm in or the environment that I'm in. So I like to make sure my room's really clean and tidy when I'm working and that helps me feel better throughout the day. I don't have anxiety about my room being a mess and everything in my life being a mess because at least my room is clean and organized and that's one less thing that I need to worry about. So really focusing on things that I can control, even if it's just simple things like if my bedroom's clean or not, when I feel out of control has really, really helped me. Another thing that really helps my anxiety is self-reflection and whether that's journaling or just thinking about what I'm feeling slash going through day to day. So, you know, just actually taking the time to think about it for five to 10 minutes. I do this a lot when I'm in bed right before I go to sleep. I just kind of reflect on my day. I kind of go over it and get out everything that I'm feeling and thinking in five to 10 minutes. And then I turn on my meditation sounds or my music or Netflix show or whatever I'm doing. And I go about my night and that has helped me sleep a lot better. I have a lot less insomnia and self-reflection is a great thing. We should all be doing it, even if we have anxiety or not. I think it helps you really grow as a person and it really does help ease your stress. And allotting time to just really think about everything that you're feeling, everything that you're going through and using that time to do that and then kind of leaving it there and going on about your life that I mean that has really helped me and I recommend it if if you want to try it try it out see if it works for you another thing that helped me was getting proper amounts of sleep and the right amount of sleep and not staying up until 4 a.m I used to stay up and watch Netflix forever and I still do this sometimes like there's just some days I cannot fall asleep but getting proper amounts of sleep and for me that's about eight hours like no more no less if I'm at eight hours I will be super chipper and happy and energized the entire day. But if I'm a little bit under, I'm going to be tired. And if I'm a little bit over, I'm going to be tired. I don't know what it is. That's just like my perfect number. And for some people, it's a little less. For some people, it's a little more. But getting proper amounts of sleep has helped me a ton. Not only with my anxiety, but with my productivity and just my overall like outlook, I feel like it's a lot more positive when I feel good after getting a good night's sleep. I also drink a lot less coffee now than I used to. And when I was going through kind of all of that anxiety stuff last year after the car incident, too much caffeine, I realized, is like really triggering for me because when I get all hyped up from caffeine, that's kind of how I feel when I'm having really bad anxiety. So I try not to trigger that too much by 
just having too much caffeine. So I really limit myself to like one coffee a day. Sometimes I don't even have coffee anymore. Um, most of the times I do just have like one and that's it. And I don't have anything else throughout the day with caffeine in it. And that has really worked for me. When I was going through all that stuff last year, I actually wasn't drinking coffee at all. And I switched to matcha because it does have a little bit less caffeine in it. Um, tea in general has a little bit less caffeine than coffee unless you're drinking like black tea, I believe. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Um, so switching to like a matcha or a tea really helped me as well. Another thing that I have been doing and implementing and that has really helped keep me sane is spending less time on social media slash the internet on the weekends unless I'm like physically doing something that I need to be doing like whether it was for like schoolwork or for my podcast or something that I just like had to get done and didn't get done throughout the week but I'm just talking about like mindlessly scrolling through Instagram or Twitter you know I don't do that as much on the weekends I don't really post on my Instagram stories I don't know if you guys noticed that but I don't really post on my Instagram stories on the weekends much um because it just, I don't know, it helps to kind of detox. And also a lot of my job is on social media. I do social media for a living for other people. And so I am constantly on it, constantly on my own. And sometimes it is just nice to have a break. You know, I try not to focus on the numbers. I really try to focus on my impact on social media. And if what I'm doing can actually help others and teach others. So I think spending less time on social media and kind of treating it like I do with my work because it is a part of my work has helped me a lot and just just to be less sane. So even if you don't work on social media, I think this is a great thing to practice. Like I still take pictures throughout the weekend. I'm still like doing stuff like that, but I just don't really post as much on the weekends and that has really helped me. I think with this day and age, social media gets a lot of people stress. I know it gives me stress a lot, um, even when it's not about work, just in general. So I think spending less time on social media, even if it's just for like a day or two on the weekend, is a great thing to try and implement into your life. The next thing that I've been doing a lot more this year, and I think that has become more important to me as I get older, is really having quality time with people that I love. You know, I spend way more time with my siblings and my parents than I ever have in my entire life. And they don't have to force me to like they did when I was like 13 years old and I just wanted to go hang out with my friends on the weekend. You know, really spending quality time with the immediate people in your life is so important, whether that's your friends or your family. And I, I, I do it a lot more now and it's so nice and I actually have good relationships with my family and I love it. It's great. Another thing that has really helped with my anxiety is hobbies. You know, they keep me busy and then there's no time to get stressed or to get too up in my head about my anxiety and things that I am worried about. So I love um, drawing on my iPad. When I got this iPad, I downloaded Procreate. It is really fun or I like making little graphics on it. I think that is super fun. I also started reading a lot this year. I've read more this year than I have like on my own and not for school than I have since, I don't know, high school, middle school. It's nuts. I also got myself a little mini herb garden that I have been taking care of and is actually growing, guys. I'm so excited, except for my cilantro. Some bunnies in my neighborhood like we have a lot of wild bunnies that live kind of in the fields around my neighborhood that I live in 
they took my cilantro, but everything else is growing super good. So little hobbies like that, just that keep me busy, help keep me sane. And I really enjoy it. And it's also nice to have things that you like to do that aren't work. And I am someone who's a workaholic, so that's really important. Another thing that's really helped me is exercise. And I have definitely been slacking with my exercise since quarantine started. I had all these plans to do all these home workouts and I've had like good months and bad months or whatever, but exercise really does help me feel better. Even if it's just getting up and going for a walk and I may throw a fit about it sometimes when my boyfriend wants to go on a walk in the morning, but after I'm always so much happier when I do it and exercise does like really serotonin, I believe, or like endorphins, and it does actually help make you feel better. So whatever you're going through, a little bit of exercise, even if it's just a 10 minute walk, will do you some good. And the last thing that I do that helps me with my anxiety is really following positive and uplifting creators who also go through similar things that I do. So I really love following Lindsay Atkinson. She is the best. I She might be listening to this actually, so shout out Lindsay. Hey girl. Um, I love her so much. She's someone that I have kind of been mutual friends with like on social media for a really long time when we both had YouTube channels for like way back in the day. And I, I really look up to her. She's a boss. She really talks about how the benefits of therapy. She talks about her experience with therapy and her experience with anxiety and depression. And she's so positive and uplifting. And you guys just need to hear her story. So I will link her YouTube channel down below and also her Instagram. She is so awesome. And you guys definitely need to check her out. She is such like a positive, amazing person. And I literally am obsessed with her. So yeah, that's kind of it for today's episode on, you know, my experience with anxiety and how I cope and identifying triggers. And I know this episode was a bit heavier, but I hope you guys enjoyed listening. And if you're struggling with anxiety, just remember that you are not alone. And a lot of people go through it, myself included. And I really feel like it's how you come out the other side that matters. Also, therapy is so good and so necessary. So do not feel embarrassed about going to therapy or signing up. It's, it's so good. And there's so many great resources that make therapy affordable nowadays, which is amazing. So make sure to subscribe to this podcast, especially if you made it all the way to the end of this episode. Like, thank you so much for listening. But a new episode goes live every single Monday. Also, please rate and review the podcast. That would really mean a lot to me and I would super appreciate it. So links to all of my social media are also down below. Make sure you guys follow the at fake it pod Instagram and also my personal Instagram to stay up to date on all things podcasts and just my life. I love to be connected with you guys. So I hope you have a great rest of your week and always remember that no matter what, you just have to fake it till you make it. Bye guys.